0: Hi and welcome back to the show. Today I am joined by Michael Behan. He is the CEO and founder of 611 Global Services. They are a really significant outsourcing firm based down in Davao, which is the sort of southern part of the Philippines. They're really quite significant. They are doing great things down there. They have been going for about 15 years and have about 3000 staff now and really know what they are doing in terms of customer service, in terms of sales and outbound, and also a lot of back office functions. So it's a really good conversation to have with Michael and great to catch up with him. I certainly enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot and I hope you do too. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to OutsourceAccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms and of course the best results from your offshore operations. The outsource accelerator marketplace now covers over 3 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Derek. I'm doing well at the moment. Great. We have uh, not spoken for quite a while. We've actually had some of your uh, senior staff on the podcast, but it's great to have you on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do in the and uh, 6.11, Michael
1: sure Uh, i'm actually the uh, ceo of 611 global services we are a 15 year old uh, bpo and call center company here in the philippines in terms of my responsibilities i i try to manage uh the overall operations you have the uh, team leaders you have the agents and you have the hr the it and the uh, recruitment department so uh, each department, they work independently, and it's my job to mesh them all together. That way, we have a smooth operation uh, daily.
0: Nice. And you're, you're a humble man, Michael. You you have a really significant operation, don't you? And, and it's been going 15 years, uh, which is a real long time in outsourcing kind of perspective. And also, you're based down in Davao. So what was it like setting up shop? Uh, 15 years ago in Davao, in the outsourcing industry, Michael?
1: When we uh, started the uh, company before, we actually started with just 20 seats uh, back then. The uh, infrastructure uh, during that time in Davao was actually not that good. Like, uh, For one thing, you didn't really have any uh, shops open at night there was difficulty in terms of uh, trying to get uh, public transportation for agents. But I'm happy to say that at this point in time, I mean, the infrastructure is already there. Like the Val City is now a 24 by seven type of city wherein it's really easy and uh, conducive to uh, people who work in the uh, call center industry. I mean, we were a startup company. It was always a challenge. There were uh, difficulties in terms of finding clients. Uh, That's one of the main reasons why we try our best to do a good job. I mean, we've been there. We've been in a position where it was really, really that hard to find clients. And when Mm -hmm. we're given an opportunity, we try to make the most out of it. Like We give 110% to make sure that
0: the uh, client is happy with the services that we are providing. Yeah, and you are, you are doing a good job at that. And what was it like? Were you the first sort of real player in the market in Davao 15 years ago?
1: Uh, back then, there were like uh, home-based uh, type of operations or maybe uh, small uh, companies that weren't really uh, legitimate. I think we were the first company that really had an office space uh, that had a uh, location. And of course, an environment that is conducive to being a real office or a real call center company.
0: Mm. And just give people a super quick intro into Davao. What is the significance of Davao in the Philippine kind of picture? Actually,
1: uh, Davao is the third largest uh, city in the Philippines uh, based on population. Davao also has uh, Mount Apple. Uh, which is, I think, one of the tallest mountains in the world. Uh, the good thing with that is that we seldom have any uh, storm here in our area. So our agents, uh, they're not affected by weather that, that much. At the same time, our current president, uh, Mr. Duterte, is also from Davao City. So in recent years, Davao has been highlighted as the next uh Growth city or the next uh, wave city for uh, massive growth, uh, not only in the call center industry but also other industries as well.
0: Mm, and it's because because of uh, President Duterte comes from there. It's had a lot of development. He was the mayor there, wasn't he, for many many years prior to his presidency. And it's a very developed, quite technologically advanced city. Yet you you also benefit from sort of cheaper salaries compared to Manila. Huh? Uh, yes,
1: uh, the salary or the cost for the employees is probably around twenty to twenty-five percent uh, cheaper uh, versus the uh, versus Metro Manila, and also I mean, as a general sentiment, Davao is a really secured area. I mean, President Duterte is known for being strict. He's known for being uh for being a disciplined person. So that's. What's here in Davao? I mean, it's a very safe place and people can walk around anytime.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, really quite an exciting. And also it's easier for the staff, isn't it? You know, the the sort of argument for provincial centers is that salaries are cheaper, but also the living costs are a lot cheaper for staff. And also the commute is a lot easier. It's, it's sort of a better kind of lifestyle all around, isn't it, compared to the sort of the... the hubbub of uh, manila yes definitely i would like to say that
1: uh, davo actually has the uh, best of both worlds like we have uh sufficient uh, development here wherein are uh, in we have five malls uh, you can go to we have uh, around maybe 20 universities and there is of course a nightlife for people to go to but at the same time it's also easy for us to uh to go to the beach wherein it's just like 10 to 15 minutes uh go to nature parks and reservations around 30 minutes and the commute is probably for most people around uh 20 minutes or less so we have the uh, balance of development at the same time we have the uh laid back lifestyle as well so it's easy uh
0: for people to like Davao City Nice. And give us a snapshot of, so your BPO or your outsourcing firm is called 611. Uh, And of course, we can, we'll put all of the links in the show notes, but give us a snapshot of 611, what you do, how big you are now, things like that. Uh, Sure.
1: 611 is uh, has around 3,000 employees at the moment. All of them are actually working full time for us in our offices daily. Right now, we have four uh, different offices, mainly located in Davao City. In terms of what we do, we have around, I would say, 1,000 agents doing customer support. And when you say customer support, it revolves around phone, email, chat, and social media. We also have around roughly 1,000 agents doing outbound lead generation. So lead generation is pretty straightforward. You just call uh, potential customers if they're interested uh, with the product you're trying to uh, sell. Then recently, our back office uh, division has been growing. So we have uh, multiple uh, back office uh, related projects at the moment. And they're really interesting, actually, because right now uh, we're processing loan documents for U.S. uh, consumers. So when you apply for a loan, uh, of course, you have to submit multiple documents uh, to avail. And it's our job to check these documents, uh, validate these documents, and uh, compile them as a package. Then uh, once the package is compiled, uh, it's something we send to the loan officer for final evaluation. We also work with a well-known U.S.-based uh, university wherein we do data mapping for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they actually uh, have a lot of X-ray results wherein sometimes there are uh, inaccuracy, inaccuracies towards such uh, readings, and it's our job to to tag each uh, image to see if there are problems or there were mistakes and so on. So Another back office project we have is actually with a painting uh, contractor. Uh, They're pretty big in the US wherein uh, they submit uh, different bids towards uh, uh, building construction and painting. So it's our job here to figure out how much paint is needed for the entire uh, 10-story building, (laughs) which is Um. quite a difficult task. But we have to be highly accurate that way when they... uh, Enter their bid. Of course, they don't. Uh, they don't. Uh, submit a wrong price. Uh, they make money along the way with the correct estimate.
0: Got it. Got it. It is fascinating, isn't it? All the tasks. You know, people think that outsourcing is customer service, but actually, all of the roles, the professions, the specialties that that can be done is just it's it's incredible, isn't it? Like there's no no kind of no limit to what can be done and also that you know the examples you mentioned like there's um real data security there there's you know health records there and people can be assured that these things can be managed securely safely and properly you know it's it's really kind of significant work you're doing isn't it
1: oh yeah at the heart of our outsourcing, it, it basically revolves around some form of manual or tedious task that someone has to do. So it's hard to place a limit in terms of what you can outsource, because I think almost everything can be outsourced at the moment, Uh on our side, we have a very diverse uh, client base. We have around eighty different clients, and most of them have their own goals and expectations. So, on our side, it's up to us to learn the task, understand the task, and make sure we provide a service that is uh, suitable towards their company.
0: And so, Michael, it's interesting you you with these processes. Do you how does how does the process of the process work? Do you help the clients? Build the processes, the metrics, the KPIs, and the quality control. Or do, are you providing the staffing, and then the client builds out those processes? How do you typically, you know, manage that sort of process design and implementation?
1: Uh, most of the uh, clients, when you you ask them for a uh, training module or a process, they tend to get uh, to feel overwhelmed. It's such a big word, right? And you're thinking of too many things. Whereas on my end, I try to simplify things towards uh, clients. I often tell them, think of me as a new employee. Let's say I was a day one employee uh, in your company. What uh, facets of the business do you want to teach me? So first thing is, of course, the rules of the company. Uh, next thing is the expectation from myself as an employee. Then, of course, my uh, the uh, productivity metric. So, I mean... I try to make it as simple as possible for clients. That way they don't feel overwhelmed or they don't get scared because at the end of the day, it's our job
0: to make their lives easier. Yeah. And, you know, what is brilliant as well is like the clients are getting a great deal. They're getting resources at a great price, but also they're tapping into the vast experience like your experience, you know, like your team's experience as supervisors and and the hierarchy within your company it's it's an incredible deal isn't it you know and you have experience of building these processes um and there's a lot of value in that isn't there
1: ah yes most clients think of cost savings as their main motivation but of course with us working with them we provide some uh we we are we provide a reliability in terms of the work they need and consistency, because just to give you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the news, Derek, the great resignation in the U.S. A lot of mm-hmm. people are leaving their jobs, right? If you work with our company, yes, people, some people may leave, but it is up to us to replace the people and make it seamless uh, to you on the back end as our client or on the front end as our client. Yeah. So it's not just a cost-saving thing, It's it boils down to reliability, consistent consistency, and also the expertise that we bring in, we're in. If we see or feel that there is something wrong, we often uh, tell our clients about this, we suggest things. And of course, at the end of the day, it's the client's decision what they want to do in terms of the final output.
0: Mm. It's a partnership, isn't it? But at least you are there, you are very experienced in building these processes and you can help and advise and build out the teams to suit their requirements. Uh,
1: definitely, it's a partnership between uh, two companies. We're here to to support the client. We're here to make the client's life easier. So uh, we're here to support whatever goals there is uh, as relayed by our clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, how has the whole COVID thing been recently in uh, in Davao? Is is everything kind of settling down now, returning back to normal?
1: COVID was uh, difficult uh, last year. I mean, we had several lockdowns, but despite uh, such, we were still able to operate in the office. We we were still able to maintain our uh, service level agreements with clients. It was just more difficult. I'm glad actually now that uh, COVID cases are going down. Uh, the Philippines is alert level one, which is the lowest form of alert uh, there is, which basically means we can go back to normal, <laughs> which is good for everyone. Uh, of course, good for us, good for businesses and good for the economy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think everyone's so excited to just get back to <laughs> pre-COVID, huh? <laughs> But, yes. and what, what what is the situation with the office and you know how have you seen things change in terms of the office? Are you fully back in the office now?
1: Uh, despite the uh, pandemic, we were actually operating, I would say 90% in the office because although the mentalities have changed now and clients are more open to a work from home type of setup, uh, we still believe that office base is best. Because uh, being in the office, there's some form of, of course, security. Uh, There's someone watching the people. There is some form of redundancy, uh, given that we have multiple internet connections and also uh, generator sets in the office. And lastly, there's some some form of camaraderie between people. I mean, uh, that's something that cannot be uh, replicated in the work-from-home type of setup. Uh, Camaraderie plays a key thing uh, in terms of the success of the project. Constant communication between people plays a factor as well because uh, typically Filipinos are shy. Uh, You have to uh, speak to them. You have to ask them questions. Uh, That way uh, you are sure that uh, they know things. And of course, once you you start that conversation, that's the time you see pain points, you see difficulty, and it's easier to address in an office-based type of setup.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you you host a lot of events and things, don't you? I mean, and they're they're incredibly obviously. There's people are getting a lot of good work done, but they're they're highly social environments, aren't they? And they they're a strong part of the community of the the staff.
1: Uh, yes, the the social aspect is actually one of the key things that uh, increases our retention. When we uh, get to do group activities, when we uh, get to reward or recognize our people in the office. And generally speaking, when people are together, they're uh, more happy, unlike when you're alone sitting in front of your computer uh, eight hours a day and
0: so on. Sure. And, you know, there is, as you mentioned, there's the great resignation, and it's around the world, you know, and soaring salaries, and um, just there's massive change, and there's less, uh, there's hiring shortages. How, how How is that playing out in Davao? And also then, you know, what about retention rates? There's, there's a big sort of um, concern that churn is really high in outsourcing. How do, how do you see all of those things click together right now? Uh,
1: the, the good thing with our uh, company is that, as I mentioned, we've been here 15 years. We have built a good name in the community. And of course, we have good relationships with our employees, uh, some of them, were with us since the, the inception uh some agents have been with us 10 uh, 11 12 years they're now managers so we have a good infrastructure in terms of relationships between our uh, people internally so this ha- i mean this has not affected us that much i mean we we definitely have uh, some churn that's normal in any industry but ours i believe is pretty low versus our uh, other uh
0: competitors in the industry you must be a really significant employer in Davao, yeah? Does everyone know know your company, know your brand? Yes, like, I, I would say uh, everyone knows uh, 611 in Davao
1: City because we've been here the longest. And of course, we already have a name in the
0: community. And, and what about roles in terms of, you know... Uh, more uh, you know, developers or architects or accountants, or are you able to sort of provide um, more specialized roles like that?
1: Yes, uh, it's possible. It just takes time, of course. When you deal with roles that are har- highly specialized, I often advise my client that the staffing period would probably be around 60 days because uh, specialized skill sets are more difficult to find. And of course, we have to come up with some form of a service level agreement in terms of the expectation. That way, it's defined. Uh, but it's uh, realistic to say that after six days, we can uh, staff for most uh,
0: positions needed from our company. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's just an incredible opportunity. And how have you seen things change? You know, since COVID and. COVID has obviously affected everyone worldwide and the great resignation and things and remote work is more normalized. And are you seeing people are more open-minded to remote work, offshore work? How are you seeing things change? And especially over the last 15 years as well?
1: Uh, Yes, uh, uh, clients as a general sentiment, they're more open to a work-from-home type of setup now or a hybrid uh, type of setup. But uh, for my case, I still uh, try to advise them that work from office is the best uh, way to go, especially during the first six months of any new project. Maybe when we undertake a project, let's do six months first in the office, and after that, we can revisit the work from home because uh, despite the, the trend uh, changing, on my end, I want to make sure that the client is happy and we're meeting uh, performance standards. That's why I still go the old school style. We're in. <laughs> I advocate the uh, work from office just to be able to have better control over our uh, deliverables towards the client.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think on balance, you know, there's pros and cons to to this, but I think on balance, you have better oversight, better engagement. Better efficiency with people working from the office, don't you? And, and as you say, also the redundancies and the sophistication of the systems and the better hardware and things like that—it's um, it is hard to to argue a bit against. And over you know over the fifteen years, I imagine when you started, Michael, you you would have been the one calling out and engaging with people and pitching or proposing offshore staff. How have you seen the world? Um, grow in awareness and acceptance of kind of global employment. Has it it significantly changed in your time?
1: Uh, Yes, actually uh, people are uh, more open now to outsourcing versus uh, back then when we started. Uh, Clients are more open now to a remote uh, or a different country type of uh, employee. Uh, It's something uh, people can appreciate more at this time because uh the world is a very competitive place and there is uh talent everywhere so clients can now appreciate uh having someone
0: uh online yeah yeah it's incredible isn't it because i think back 15 years and you know they're kind of i think it was on the verge of paperless offices and you know still sending a pdf over email was still a little bit kind of freaky um, you were really on the cusp because a lot of it has to do with the technology that allows all of this to happen. Yeah, you know, and people need to be comfortable with the technology, and it's um it's amazing. You were right on the kind of cusp. Yeah.
1: With any sort of change, there's always a natural resistance uh, from people. Like I myself, when I had to learn uh, various things like a different uh, software and so on, there was some form of resistance. But eventually, once you learn something and you get the hang of it, that's a time you can appreciate the convenience that it brings. Like uh, before, I mean, it was unheard of to to do online meetings. You were, most of the time, you would do face to face, but right now we're also adjusting uh, to the environment. Even if we're all in the office, we're doing Zoom uh, between our uh, agents and managers as well. (laughs) It's common
0: already. It's crazy. And then there's no difference. There's no difference if you're sitting in Davao or Manila or New York. Like everyone's just connected. Yeah. And it's all. Everything now is is Zoom or Slack or Gmail, and you know it's just so globalized now, isn't
1: it? Uh, yes. Uh, one big thing as well, everything is uh, going more on the twenty four by seven uh, type of setup, like because before people were adhering to an eight to five schedule, so that's the time they call for most uh, meetings. But right now, I've seen clients calling um, for meetings at random times. So, because they're working offsite, they're working from somewhere remotely. So, on our end, we just adjust and make sure we are able to cater to their needs.
0: And you run pretty significant sales and customer service operations, you know? So, you have incredible kind of oversight of changing trends and um, best practice within the industry and stuff. I suppose you know they start with sales. Like have, is it kind of the same as 15 years ago, or has stuff really changed with the sort of change of um, like kind of behaviors or personalities or technology? Has the sales function sort of evolved much, or is it is it pretty much the same? The biggest change, I guess, would be the uh, change in terms of the
1: channels. Because when we started, it was mainly just through voice and people wanted to talk to someone. That's the main thing. But right now, uh, I've been seeing that uh, people are pretty comfortable with just doing emails or doing chats or talking in social media to uh, resolve their concern. So on our end, from just being a purely uh, voice organization, we also had to transition and adjust to these other uh, channels. So... Some of our agents they multitask between uh, different channels uh, depending on the uh, client, but that's the main difference. People, I mean, people are comfortable with just chatting <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. There's no need to to do a phone call, not unless it's something critical, or it's something uh, tedious or detailed oriented because uh, chat
0: can serve uh, most needs at the moment. I don't, yeah. And a lot of people prefer chat. Huh? And then also, I suppose it allows you to spread, like, sort of multiple agents are able to have a consistent chat conversation as opposed to a call where you've got to have, obviously, the same agent for that entire period. Yeah.
1: The good thing with that is actually it gives opportunity to more people. Because from a profiling standpoint, there are just people who are better at doing chats and there are people who are better at doing voice calls. Right. So it gives more opportunity to more people to have, of course, a livelihood and a career in our company.
0: And customer service as well, you know, this is obviously completely different to sales, but I suppose the same applies in terms of all of those different channels. Like, you know, before customer service was just a phone call, but now it's, it's kind of everything, isn't it? And even, you know, customer service can even extend over to social media and and sort of messages and um, comments on posts and stuff like that. It's it's so broad now, isn't it? Uh, yes, actually now,
1: I mean, it's hard to draw a line with customer service because most clients, they actually prefer us to do some form of upsell after the call or after the chat. So it's up to us to give notice to our customers to say something like, hey, would you be interested in this particular promo? Uh, and so on and so forth. So customer service can also be a sales channel at the moment.
0: Got it. And do you see, is there sort of a rise of automation and tools and bots and all of this stuff? Or do you see, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out on the market. Do you see a rise of that? And do you see it kind of... Um, being good or is it still too early stage?
1: Because automation in itself, it has its merits. Sometimes it makes things easier. But at the end of the day, there's really a difference between a person on the other side versus some form of AI system. At this uh, point in time, I would say people still prefer having someone or a live person to speak with. That's the main thing. But Maybe five years from now, people would appreciate the AI system, but I don't think uh, we're there yet at the moment.
0: Yeah, I remember when chatbots kind of emerged and they were all the rage about five or seven or eight years ago, and they—you know—everyone was talking about these chatbots and they were going to change the world, and and actually, they were just—they just weren't effective because they they can't replicate an intelligent human being uh, no way you know and it was almost just like pre-recorded messages that were typed out it's uh yeah I, and it's interesting everything kind of comes back to to the basic the basic tools the basic people
1: because right now uh, chatbots i would say they're they're just a step above having a knowledge base or a forum in your website mm. i mean uh they're they're not that sophisticated yet, so the technology is not yet there to replace a person. It's you will still feel the difference in terms of the uh, transaction speed and also the uh, comfort level a person brings right now versus a AI type of system.
0: Yeah, and I think I think if someone feels they're talking to a bot, like if I if I get a sense that this is a bot. You just lose any sort of respect for the conversation, don't you? You just, you know, I'm not even going to bother to reply if it's a if it's a bot. Uh, it has real sort of far-reaching kind of psychological impact, doesn't it? If, if uh, you're yes. talking to a person, then you're talking to a person, <laughs> and, and then you put a bit of effort in.
1: Actually, a big part of the uh, the uh, conversation is one is assurance, and number two is empathy. So, as a customer. When you have a problem, all you need is actually some form of assurance that the problem will be fixed. All you need is some form of empathy that the that the agent or the person cares about fixing your problem. That's uh, two important things in any transaction uh, that we do. But so far, uh, chatbots are not able to provide that. I mean, you don't feel it's real empathy. <laughs> you feel it's something
0: automated and just there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it'll be a long time before it, it uh, gets there. And have you seen a lot of usage of any of the tools like Gong or, you know, these um, sales, what would you call it, sort of sales enhancement tools that kind of listen to the sales calls and provide advice? Like, they're, they're becoming pretty big. Do you, do you see a lot of that kind of infiltrating the, the market?
1: Right now, I see those things, but they're mainly used for analytics and guidance. So it would be advantageous to have some form of uh, reporting or uh, checking mechanism when we run a project. That way, we're better guided in terms of uh, how we approach the uh, customers.
0: Got it. Fantastic. It's it's really, you know, interesting to it to you, Michael, because obviously, there's a huge amount of experience there. And obviously, you must be getting incredible sort of feedback and insight from having 3000 people every day work towards these, whatever these metrics, KPIs and objectives, it's it's really powerful stuff. Michael, and I suppose in terms of, you know, we don't have to mention dollars and cents. But in terms of pricing structure, if if a client approaches you, or they're interested in this, how does how does the pricing work? Is it Is it based on the staff salary or, you know, they they get your services on top? How do you generally structure these things? I would say among
1: our uh, peers in the industry, we provide a very competitive price. Uh, we give a reasonable price towards our clients in such a way that we're able to run our business. We're pro- able to pro- provide uh, redundancy and security. At the same time, we're able to take care of our agents and adhere to market rates or existing market rates here in the Philippines. So we're not that big and we charge you a high amount. We're also not that small in there is no security and redundancy in place. We're actually in the mid-tier wherein we can provide a good value for the money
0: you're paying to our company. Yeah. Got it. That's incredible. It's, it's always, you know, I've, I've seen you around, you know, I've been to Davao and uh, it's an incredible place and it's certainly worth reaching out having a conversation again just because of your experience and insight is it's super powerful and it's just so interesting i think for for you know business owners prospective clients just to reach out and see the opportunities yeah like and get your take on things um and how you can build teams and get results it's it's such a powerful thing isn't it you know and this is where i'm i'm Kind of blown away by the by the value proposition of outsourcing because it's not just getting offshore staff at a at a good price. It's actually it's it's incredible results, isn't it? And it's an industry based on almost three decades now of executive talent and experience. It's it's such a powerful combination.
1: Yes, because uh, for me, you get a uh, what they call it a cost savings. But at the same time, you're not sacrificing productivity and results, so we provide a good balance uh, towards our clients.
0: Yeah do you uh, do you do you have many? I assume some clients like A/B test uh, accounts or teams, and you know they might have the team in their hometown or home country, and sort of offset test against a team in the Philippines. Do you do you often get sort of A/B tests like that?
1: Yes, actually, there are uh what they call it. There are times wherein we actually perform better compared to our uh, U.S. or Indian counterparts. Uh, there are times that we are we provide a reliability as well because you never know when uh some natural disaster happens, Mm. uh acts of God, which is beyond anyone's control. So, uh, having us there. Sometimes we outperform uh, their other centers. Sometimes we outperform their internal teams. But at the same time, I mean, it's not a competition between both companies. It's something that is a positive uh, motivator to drive up production overall for the entire company, not only us, but our partners as well.
0: Yeah, got it. Well, Michael, it's always uh... So valuable and educational to to chat to you. So thank you so much for your time and well done for staying on the tracks through COVID and and, uh, your successful business. It's really incredible. Michael, uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you or learn more about uh, 6.11, how can they they do that? Uh,
1: Thank you, uh, Derek, for also taking time uh, to speak with me today. Uh, The main thing for me is always keeping our clients happy. Because at the end of the day, we're building a relationship and we're building a partnership that hopefully will last for years to come. For people who are interested in our services, they can always uh, visit our website uh, or they can send an email to info at 611center.com and we will uh, contact them shortly.
0: Amazing. That's great. Thank you, Michael. Great to catch up again. Thank you, Derek. And thank you as well. Take care. That was Michael Behan of 611. If you want to get in touch with Michael or know any more about anything we discussed in the podcast, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.